The true measure of a man is between here and here. Your brain, how you think, what your values are, your morals, your ethics. And you mentioned at the beginning, masculinity. How often is it, Nikki, that the left precede that word with another word? Toxic masculinity. As if being masculine, being a man, is somehow toxic. Enough is enough. Stop ramming this radical agenda down our throats. Stop having masculine males apologize for who they are. Stop canceling real women in favor of fake women and grotesque parodies of women when it comes to drag queen story time. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sarva Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Baloo. We have a very special guest uh, for you today. David Menzies, a.k.a. The Menzoid, is a lead correspondent for Rebel News of Canada. Welcome to the show, David. Nikki, a pleasure to be with you, my friend. Good to have you here, my brother. So, David... What I want to talk about today really is a couple of things. One is I want to get into the importance of men standing up for their rights and for all of our rights. Because I think in the last few years, there's been a deliberate attempt in the Western world to weaken men, to denigrate masculinity, as a way of allowing the powers that be to exert more and more control over all of us. And so I wanted to have you weigh in on that. But as part of you weighing in on that, I want you to tell your backstory first. Tell us how you got to be where you are today. Well, you know, Nikki, that, that is a great question. If you're asking me why I pursued the field of journalism, uh, It's essentially because I am incompetent in every other facet of life, okay? Uh, I think this is the only thing I'm capable of. I mean, for example, I go to Home Depot maybe to buy some batteries, and I look at these men, these real men coming into Home Depot, and they're buying lumber and electrical cords, and they're going to be going back to their house to, I don't know, build a treehouse for their kids. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm so less a man. I have no idea what to do. I have to hire a contractor for that. It's kind of like me at one of these uh, big box building stores. It's kind of like bringing Dracula to a garlic factory. Uh, I am just withering. So um, I think uh, this is uh, what I do uh, well. And I am absolutely blessed to be with Rebel News Nikki, because we really one of the few independent media sources in this country that are a telling the other side of the story and b not receiving a nickel of government funding. As you know, uh, Nikki, most of the media outlets in Canada, the vast majority, even trade magazine publications, 
they're on the government teat. Uh, blackface is uh, paying their expenses. It is ba- print journalism, especially, is a sunset industry without government funding. They are out of business, but it's a terrible conflict of interest, isn't it, my friend? How can you be covering a federal government and be receiving money from that federal government? I mean, just imagine if there was a meatpacking plant and there was an outbreak of E. coli and a journalist went down there to do an interview and the owner of the plant came up to the journalist and said, hey, listen, um, I really like your media outlet. Uh why don't you take you and your wife to Hawaii uh, this winter? Here's $25,000. I mean, you couldn't possibly expect um, fair coverage in such an uh, inherently biased situation. And um, we, I think at Rebel, we are the proverbial umpire behind home plate. We've been critical of conservatives and conservative leaders, and we get blowback going, what are you doing? How can you criticize uh, Andrew Scheer or Aaron O'Toole? And we are basically saying, listen, if they don't give us material to criticize them, we won't criticize them. But we are not their paid trained SEALs. We are not their PR team. So we go after everybody. We are an equal opportunity uh, offender, if you will, Nikki. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We... we rely on donations for our existence and our haters out there, Nikki, the, whenever we have a campaign and we're trying to raise money for it, they'll say, oh, look at that. There goes Rebel News begging again, begging. Well, Nikki, I say this is the most honest and sincere way of fundraising. If you want to give us a donation, oh, we're very appreciative of that. Please do. If you don't, the vast majority of our content, except for that which is behind a paywall, is free for your viewing. So what is more unethical, us asking for donations or the mainstream media taking it out of our paychecks every two weeks because of federal subsidies, more than $600 million, uh, for the media outlets? And of course, CBC, that's a category of itself, what, about $1.5 a year and twas ever thus. So I say uh, we can hold our heads high in terms of how we're making a living. Well, one thing that made me want to bring you on the show is we're living in a time where not a lot of people stand up for what's right. Yes. Rebel News is an organization at great personal and professional cost has stood up for its values. And folks like you and Ezra Levant and Avi Yemeni uh, and Sheila Gunn, you've got the balls in the ovaries to stand up and say what needs to be said, regardless of blowback. And I'm wanting you to weigh in on this issue for young men, because young men today are looking for guidance. A lot of guidance they're getting is shitty guidance right? They're being told, get a six back, make six figures, you know, have six inches, go out there and, 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 and have game uh, and frame, as they say, right? Uh, and I don't think that's good advice for young men. I think better advice for young men is find out who you are, ask the question of who you are and what you stand for and 
take a stand for those values and live life that way. But that's my take on it. I want to know your take on it because in the world of journalism right now, there's not a lot of people like you who actually are out there in the trenches, digging up the news and frankly facing sometimes physical danger to do so. Oh, uh, including I go back to December of 2021 when uh, Blackface had his Royal Canadian Mounted Thugs uh, physically assault me and give me COVID in the process simply for standing on a public uh, sidewalk outside of a restaurant, uh, asked the Prime Minister a question. And the question, of course, Nikki, was this. Uh, Trudeau was telling everybody uh, preceding Christmas of 2021, don't get together with your friends and families. Don't celebrate Christmas time. It's too dangerous. Uh, COVID-19, doesn't. we don't want it to spread. And meanwhile, he was hosting a, what, I think it was a $1,700 a plate dinner at a restaurant where he was packing in the donors like sardines. So the hypocrisy uh, was unbelievable. The I never in my life expected an assault like that. I urge your uh, listeners and viewers to go check it out themselves. This was Banana Republic stuff. I mean, well, I'm going to correct myself, Nikki. We can't grow bananas in Canada. Let's call it a maple syrup republic. But to your original point of how men, young men, are being told what's important, I totally agree with you. Nikki, I think the true measure of a man is between here and here. In other words, your brain, what you, how you think, what your values are, your morals, your ethics. And you mentioned at the beginning the word masculinity. And how often is it, Nikki, that the left, when they talk about masculinity, they precede that word with another word, toxic masculinity, as if being masculine being a man is somehow toxic. And I'll tell you this, Nikki, thank God there was a lot of toxic masculinity going back over a century to the First World War, the Second World War, the Korean conflict, uh, Afghanistan, etc. Because when it comes to doing the heavy lifting, I think masculinity is a good thing. But yet we've seen advertising campaigns. Remember Gillette? basically turning on their core base. Men who buy shaving razors, uh, they put out that ad denouncing basically masculine men. And we've also seen, and, and they embrace the campaign with a trans individual. Um, I guess they were the front runner of the Dylan Mulvaney uh, situation and Hauser-Busch uh, embracing a fake female and uh, having their director of marketing basically denouncing their core market, you know, frat boys. Um, and it, it is staggering. But, you know, that I think that the good news thing, Nikki, is that we when we look at the Anheuser-Busch, you know, boycott, and it's cost that company more than 15.5 billion U.S. dollars, when we look at the blowback against target for their transanity campaigns there's another stock hit of more than 10 billion us dollars to me this is more about a boycotting a brand of beer boycotting a chain of department stores nikki this is about a line in the sand that was breached where the vast majority of normal people i know that's the new n-word these days but i use it said that enough 
is enough. Stop ramming this radical agenda down our throats. Stop having masculine males apologize for who they are. Stop canceling real women in favor of fake women and grotesque parodies of women when it comes to drag queen story time. I think that's what's really behind those boycotts, uh, Nikki, and uh, I, I applaud it. But, you know, in our cancel culture, we saw this with um, a certain Blue Jay pitcher, Mr. Bass, who just happened to like those campaigns, those boycott campaigns. And, well, Mr. Bass is now an ex-Blue Jay pitcher. And right now I had a story on Rebel News recently, Nikki. First, they humiliated the man by making him apologize and then have a meeting with the executive director of Pride Ontario. And they were going to turn the pitcher into a catcher. Uh, there was going to be some trans dude throwing a ball to him uh, in advance of their pride game. And at the last second, the Jays uh, decided, ah, eh, you know what? He's too toxic for us. We'll just release him. And now, if you go to Skydome, Nikki, if you can imagine, if you try to order an Anthony Bass number 52 Blue Jays jersey, they will not sell it to you. They are pretending that this guy never existed in the first place. It is so Orwellian, and it's perversely ironic, given that there are stickers, multicolored fried stickers with the Blue Jay logo all over Skydome, and it states this, everyone is welcome. Well, Nikki, not everyone. <laughs> Yeah, look, there, there's no question that this LGBTQ ideology has gone beyond um, the original intentions, as it were. In the 80s, I, um, I was a teenager, and I worked for my father, who had a tanning salon at Church and Isabella in Toronto. Um, that was in the heart of the gay ghetto. Yeah. And all of our clients who were gay men, all of them, there was a few women, like 20% that were women, straight women and gay men. So as a 16 and 17 year old, I was around a lot of gay people and I became friends with a lot of them. They were good guys. You know, I was a kid, I was a teenager and they could tell I was straight, you know, so they didn't bother me. They were, back then they just wanted to be accepted. You know, those guys, they just wanted to be accepted for who they were. They didn't want to be, called names, perfectly understandable, you know, that a Canadian should not be uh, uh, discriminated against or made to feel less than because of who they were. And a couple of times, uh, a couple of these guys took me to pride uh, events and, you know, uh, I, I marched with them to say, hey, you should have a right to be a human being and, you know, not be uh, told that there's something wrong with you because of your sexual preferences. Those guys, I'm telling you, would be appalled at what the community um, has allowed to happen, which is a number of activists have hijacked and are pretending to speak for the entire gay community. And I'm telling you, a lot of gay people don't believe in what these guys believe in. They just want to live and let live and you know, they're as appalled at some of the stuff that these guys are trying to shove down children's throats as, as anybody else is. 
but they feel that if they speak up, they're going to be attacked. Just like most Canadians feel like if they speak up, they're going to be attacked. And the only thing I have to say to that is, so what? Part of being a man is if you're attacked, so fucking what? You know, it is part of being a man is you got to take the slings and arrows, you know, and that American singer, songwriter, Jason Aldean, who wrote Try That in a Small Town, they tried to cancel him, very politely got on stage and said, nope, I'm not going to. I'm not going to cancel myself for this song. I'm going to sing it. And, you know, he's a good, clean-cut Christian fellow, and he didn't say what I would have said, which is go fuck yourself. But essentially that was his message. Go fuck yourself. I love this song. And the song has become the number one song in America, in, the, in North America. Why? Because the man had the balls to stand up for something. Oh, Nikki, you're so right. I mean, in the case of Mr. Aldine, uh, you know, I'm not a country music fan. It, it, it's just not my thing. I, I don't know. I'm not denouncing the music, um, but it's just not my cup of tea. To your point, uh, two weeks ago, when this story first broke, I went onto iTunes and I put my buck 29 on the table and bought that song uh, just to make a point. And it looks like a lot of people did that. Because Mr. Aldean is um, crying all the way to the bank these days. He sure is, uh, man. <laughs> and, you know, that's another example, much like the Target and Bud Light boycotts. Um, vote with your wallet. Uh, I love your two books, uh, the Great American Boycott book, but I especially love the Boycott book. And what a great term. Ah, uh, there you go. Because it's one thing to say, Avoid this. This is a bad company. This is a bad brand. But for those saying, but Nikki, who do I, where do I, what beer should I buy? What department store should I go to? You gave them uh, a alternative with your boycott book. What a great word. So uh, yeah, now to the point about the, uh, the gay community, I think what makes your point is the fact of, look what it, organizations we've seen spring up in the last couple of years, Nikki, gays against groomers, okay? Yeah. LGB without the T, because you have members of the gay community and lesbians and bisexuals saying, this trans business, we didn't sign up for this. This is all about canceling people, right? And a great example of that, I call it transanity, Nikki, and um, I'm going to be working on a documentary about this. But recently, and it's been our biggest video of the calendar year of 2023, there is a rugby team, a women's rugby team called the Fergus Highlanders, and they have a male on there. He is clearly male. He's got an Adam's apple, five o'clock shadow. He's got, uh, he's, he's suffering from male pattern baldness. He is uh, muscle, he's got muscles all over his arms and legs. In fact, when he played with the males club last year, Nikki, he was voted at the team's banquet, the club's hardest hitter. He is brutalizing women. He is having women being carried off the field because there is inherent disadvantage of a woman versus a male in contact sports. That's why, with the exception of three pursuits, really, auto racing, equestrian, and sport shooting, the divisions are male and female. If you're gonna allow men to compete with the female, well, why have female sports? But what's even more egregious than, say, 
um, a male cyclist or a male swimmer like Liar Thomas going up against females while you stay in your lane in those sports, this is physical contact. And Nikki, the disturbing thing was when I went to Fergus two weeks ago to cover their game against Burlington, I expected, you know, ones and twos of players defending him, but the entire team went into hysterical attack mode. Um, they couldn't even make the point. They uh, refused to define what a woman is. Uh, to, I guess echoing a certain U.S. Supreme Court female judge. They chanted, trans women are real women, trans women are real women. Some of them were crying. Um, I was shocked at the indoctrination, Nikki, because these young women on the Fergus Highlanders uh, rugby team, I don't think these are original organic thoughts. They've been, um, you know, through propaganda, through schools, they have been indoctrinized. And this is their thought where it is an example of diversity, equity and inclusion to have a muscular male play rugby against these other women, um, injure them. Well, if you believe that, Nikki, I don't think that's diversity, equity and inclusion. I think that is garden variety misogyny. And if you think that's the opinion of David Menzies, well, no, it's not. The international governing body, World Rugby, was one of the first organizations, maybe the first, that stated that biological males cannot play against females. So why is Rugby Ontario, why is Rugby Canada turning a blind eye to the guidelines of their own international governing body? It comes down to virtue signaling and wokeness. And I think, Nikki, one day, one of these women might just you know, be rendered a paraplegic, maybe even die. That is the, you know, the difference in the strength between this monster and these real women. But, Nikki, you, you can't save people who don't want to be saved, I guess. And uh, I ask, where is the feminist movement on this? You know, do they... Did they cotton in on this? I mean, where is Billie Jean King? Remember in the early 70s, she fought for female tennis players, wanted to have a more equitable payout uh, on the women's circuit. Is the feminist movement, which seems to be silent on this, uh, Nikki, are they fine with a so-called trans woman playing against real women? Seems that way to me. Listen, um, I'll speak again from my personal experience. I... Uh, in my life, there were two, uh, two, two men I knew that experienced gender dysphoria. And they were um, close relatives of two of my five closest friends, right? And they both went through the process of seeing psychiatrists and so forth and made the decision to... Uh, get gender reassignment surgery and go from man to woman, right? In the case of the one individual, he was an adult. And I think the decision, you know, was a, an appropriate decision for him. At least he, you know, that's what he felt. And um, he went from Robert to Julia. In the case of the other one, it was a teenager um, who had been feeling this forever and ever and ever. And, um, you know, son of Muslim parents, traditional Muslim parents. So this was, you know, 
these weren't woke people, right? And made the decision. My own personal take was should have waited until he was at least 18, 20, 21 to do it because uh, going through teenage years, you, you, you change your mind about things, about a lot of things uh, from 15 to 21, you know? Uh, but I was a part of peripherally, at least both of these individuals decisions uh, and their journey. I don't want to say decisions because I had nothing to do with the decision. It was a part of their, their, um, their journey. And I have a lot of sympathy for them both. The first fellow, the adult, ended up killing himself, um, you know, herself as a woman uh, over this. It was sad. It was um, tragic. And I would never want to see a young person go through this hell where they make a decision like this and it, it didn't work for them and then they want to kill themselves. And there's a story in American news media about a Canadian uh, transgender individual, uh, a young man who transitioned to a woman who's experiencing so much pain, uh, he wants to kill himself. She wants to kill herself now. She's done full woman. Vaginal reconstruction surgery has gone horribly wrong. And there's a lot of love in my heart for these human beings, because there are brothers and sisters but for these fucking activists who are pushing this on little kids, confusing them, I got no fucking love for them whatsoever. They're the devil's spawn and they need to be firmly opposed. Firmly opposed. That's the way I see it. Nikki, I am in full agreement with you. Listen, for decades, the gay community was advocating, rightfully so, for tolerance and acceptance. And I do tolerate and accept people in that community. Um, if there's two men or two women that want to live together in suburbia and go about their lives and they love each other, well, who am I to say that's wrong? Who am I to say that shouldn't be the case? Uh, even for trans individuals, listen, if you want to dress up as a man, uh, you know, being a, a biological woman and vice versa, uh, listen, if you believe in freedom, that's fine. But what we've seen, Nikki, in the last several years is this outreach for tolerance and acceptance. It has instead become a demand for affirmation. Yes. It's not good enough for you to be tolerant and accepting. You have to step on an apple crate and say, I love this. This is right. That's one thing. The second thing is what you just said going after our children. And we see aiders and enablers of this in the school board system. The kind of pornography, that's right, pornography, that is available at elementary school libraries with themes like incest and pedophilia. I kid you not, Nikki, that are being allowed. And by the way, where is our, um, where is our modern day invisible man, Stephen Lecce, the minister of education? He just runs away from parents asking these questions. This is the line that's crossed. And it's all about age appropriateness, isn't it? We have benchmarks. If you want to get a driver's license, if you want to vote, if you want to buy alcohol, if you want to buy cannabis, if you want to buy lottery tickets, you have to be a certain age. And if you're not, you are denied. In the case of this grotesque pornography in our school systems, 
can you imagine if um, uh, an elementary school uh, kid went to a convenience store and bought a copy of Playboy magazine? And believe me, Nikki, Playboy is tame compared to the rubbish that's being yeah. made available to these kids. Well, yeah. if there was a complaint filed, that store owner is in a whole heap of trouble. Uh, he's going to um, uh, be fined, uh, maybe even lose his business license. And yet we have this filth in the uh, public school system uh, that is, again, that unholy trinity of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, is being made available. And, you know, what was very interesting, back in May, I went to cover a protest, uh, uh, Nikki, at a school in Durham region called Colonel Farewell. And it was mostly mothers and grandmothers, and there were some, you know, fathers there too. And it was about these books on elementary school shelves with themes, like I said, pedophilia, incest, uh, you name it. And not once during their protest did they even mention the words sexual orientation or gender identification. And yet members of the, what I'll call the spirit unicorn committee, um, the, you know, the, the, the rainbow flag people, they formed a counter demonstration in which some of them uh, were insinuating they were going to get violent. But here's the thing. They weren't denouncing anything LGBTQ, et cetera, related. They were strictly talking about pornography in the school. So why would the LGBT community do a counter protest against these parents and grandparents? Does Are we to infer, Nikki, that they are fine uh, with this content? And again, I'm not putting all LGBT people in that basket. I am putting what you mentioned earlier, the radical activists that seemingly love this kind of uh, uh, stuff, Nikki. And to me, they're doing themselves a disservice. If you are advocating for more porn in elementary school libraries, <laughs> give your head a shake. Well, the truth of the matter is, I don't think these, these people are true representatives of uh, the LGB uh, community. Um, I think they are a group of folks who've infiltrated it for their own nefarious causes. And these nefarious causes are to break down societal norms against uh, sex with children. And fuck them, man. As far as I'm concerned, whatever it takes to defeat them, we should do. The movie The Sound of Freedom is an exceptional movie that talks about uh, child trafficking. And all the usual suspects have arrayed themselves against this. This movie isn't playing in most theaters. And the evil left is saying this is QAnon. Well, this movie was made before QAnon even existed. So that's a lie, right? And this movie is about protecting children. We all need to stand up and protect children. I'm a stand for protecting children. Uh, I saw the movie. I'm donating to an organization a friend of mine has that saves kids from sexual slavery in Pakistan. And I think we need to do more to bring uh, light to this issue. And we need to do more to defeat 
the forces of the evil left that are pushing for pedophilia, that are pushing for normalization of the sexualization of kids. And I'm sorry, you can call yourself with that how you want. You coming after our kids? You, no fucking way. No you know, is fucking it way. You know, Nick, the, the very idea that there would be some sort of group, some collection of activists that would have a problem with things like child trafficking? Are you kidding me? But to your earlier point about breaking down society, I totally subscribe to the great ones theory. I'm not talking Wayne Gratzky. I'm talking Mark Levin. Mark Levin. And he, you know, he has a brilliant book, um, American Marxism. Mm. And his off-repeated theory, and I think he's right on the ball, is that the unspoken agenda here, Nikki, is Marxism. And what is the it number is. one uh, tenant of Marxism? It's to tear down society and build it back up as a Marxist utopia, which, of course, Nikki, as you know, never happens. Ask the people in Cuba, in North Korea, in Venezuela, etc. It It's uh, kind of like the 1970 uh, Ford Pinto looked good on paper. <laughs> in practice, not so much. So that is what I think we are dealing with. Marxists have infiltrated the school boards and they're getting into municipal, provincial, and federal politics. And we have to take the stance. I think it has been a half-century process of Marxists worming their way into society. And Nikki, let me tell you this. If I told you 10 years ago, no, no. If I told you five years ago, we're going to have a female Supreme Court justice who will not be able to define what a woman is. If I said, do you want to bet on that? What Do you think you'd bet the house, Nikki? Because, I mean, if it was, if our roles were reversed, I would. I would go, what kind of rubbish are you talking about? No, that's not going to happen. Guess what? It happened last year. That is where we are, where you can't even have a female U.S. Supreme Court justice say, I can't define a woman because, oh, I don't know, I don't have a medical degree? Outrageous. Yeah, she's an idiot. She doesn't belong on the Supreme Court. She <laughs> she belongs in some obscure cafe, uh, in, in in you know, Senator Venezuela and Cuba. Listen, um, I'm voting conservative in the next election in Canada. I think it's the only sure way to defeat at a at the federal level the the Marxism that uh, Justin Trudeau and his folks are trying to shove down all of our throats. Um, I agree with you that right now we're facing Marxists trying to infiltrate us society-wide. It's why folks like Rebel News having the balls to stand up and take a stand against it is important. But let's land this plane by giving some advice to young men listening to this show about what is it that makes you what my friend George Bruno calls a high virtue man. So just give us, you know, two or three or four bullet points on what young men need to focus on or how they need to move forward to live their life as high virtue men, men, men that our society needs right now, quite frankly. Well, I hope I'm uh, qualified to uh, make uh, such advice, uh, Nikki. I would say be true to yourself. I would say resist the propaganda you're learning 
in uh, especially in post-secondary education institutions. The idea that you're male, that you are straight, that you practice chivalry, holding the door open for a lady as she walks out. This might be denounced by the usual suspects as part of the patriarchy, imperialism, colonialism. No, men and women are equal, but we are different, Nikki. And those differences shouldn't be ignored. We shouldn't say, oh, that muscular dude, he thinks he's a chick, so he gets to play for the female team and injure other females. No, those differences should be celebrated. So mean what you say and say what you mean. And don't let anyone tell you that being a chivalrous male is something to be ashamed about. It isn't. Wear your masculinity as a badge of honor. That's another thing that makes us different from women. Again, we're equal, but we're different. And Nikki, celebrate the differences, for goodness sakes. Let's not blur the lines to a degree where we're pretending that obvious males uh, not only get to play sports with biological females, Nikki, but even worse, get into women's shelters, a safe space for abused females because they identify as female. And then you know what happens, sexual assault and getting into penitentiaries, uh, Nikki, just for simply, if Bubba is 350 pounds and has a beard and says, uh, I'm Bubette, uh, I'm a chick, you get to stay with the female prisoners. You get, it's the, the, the fox getting into the hen house. Be a man, stand up to this, say this is not right, and reject virtue signaling, political correctness, and wokeism, and don't succumb to the pressure. I think that's my advice to the young men in the world today, Nikki. That's good advice. <laughs> David Menzies, the menzoid himself. Thanks for coming on the show. Baloo out. Nikki, thank you so much for having me. And uh, you, you keep fighting the good fight. Your books are excellent. Your podcasts are fantastic. And it was a great honor to be with you, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.